Magic Numbers. Uh, today it's episode number 73 and I have a great pleasure of having Numot Nami as my guest and we're going to dive into Numot's personal data. If you don't know who Numot is and you're listening to my stream then you did something seriously wrong. Uh, Numot is one of the most prolific streamers, uh, one of the most um, uh, entertaining streamers but also a pro player so uh, he combines the ability to be entertaining, the ability to be sarky towards the audience, can I say that? and the ability to actually find good lines, uh, make good plays and, and teach you something um, about how limited should be played. Contrary to me who cannot play, but uh, can look at the data and figure out what should I have done two weeks ago. Um, so obviously the stream is uh, sponsored by uh, ntgazon.com, uh, so uh, please visit them, but I'm not going to focus on that this time. I'm going to focus on Numot. So uh, let's go with the stream. So I would like to first start by uh, this gem from uh, from Cortical's YouTube channel comment section. I went there <laughs> into the comment section, and uh, there was a comment that I think somebody named Nomnut Tami, who plays on Mythical, said he might do a legitimate explanation after 100 games. And I have to say with great pleasure that we have. 672 games to analyze. So I think that you know what you're talking about this format. Um, obviously, uh, those comments uh, always happen, but uh, this stream is supposed to be looking at your personal data. So I'm wondering what you're expecting from this stream and what you are hoping to get out from looking at it. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, well, I'm prepared for, you, you hyped me up at the intro there, pro player, prolific streamer, you know, entertaining. I'm, I'm ready to be knocked down off the pedestal. With, with this format and uh, see see what I was doing incorrectly because I know we always fall into our own traps, whether that be, you know, we have a preferred color or preferred commons, uncommons, that type of thing. So I want to see where my stats kind of fall out of the range uh, of what was correct or good, so to speak, you know. Uh, this was one of my worst draft formats uh, in terms of like win percentages, um, I don't know about tr probably trophy rate as well. Um, I haven't looked at the stats for for this format in a while. I've kind of tried to block it out of my mind. So um, it, it'll be interesting because I, I know generally like overall my win rate on on seventeen lands, and this is through all formats, all types is like sixty five ish percent or whatever. But this format, it was it was sub sixty for the longest time. Like I, I think I bottomed out at like fifty six percent through. A reasonable sample um but uh yeah what somebody was saying in the comments there my my goal was to get through 100 drafts of the format not 100 games and i think i and hit 100 yeah sorry go ahead 101 you did exactly yeah that's I, what that's what you have in the data yeah <laughs> yes I, I did one more for one of my youtube recordings because it was ranked at the time so i got i got past 100 that was the goal and hopefully we can or at least i can get some glean some information um, that you've prepared here. Okay, would you have it in your heart? Because I do have some patrons and one of the patrons exactly is in the tier that allows them to ask a question of the week and sure. they ask the question that's specific to you. Okay. Uh, it is during which set did you level up the most as a player and maybe for the purpose of this one, unlimited. Ooh, level up most as a player. Ah, 
I would guess it would be one of the very first sets that I like streamed heavily because up and, and this was uh, back in like 2012, 2013. I actually think it was during um, Shadows over Innistrad, the OG. Is that the right timeline? Maybe chat can remember what what was uh, the the active format in 2012 or 2013. Um, but first starting doing the streaming, you get so much feedback, right? Uh, de- depending on, but whether it's good or not is, is questionable, but you get a lot of feedback one way or another. And so when I first started streaming, you know, this was the first time I've had so many voices talking to me, giving input. Um, so that may, that might've been the first biggest level up um, ever since then. It's probably been a lot more flat in terms of gains, I'd say, but yeah, I'd say when I first started streaming back 2012, 2011, 2013 era, was probably when the, the level up happened the, the, the best. So you must have enjoyed the um, returning set uh, for the last couple of weeks. It, it wouldn't have mattered. Anything to follow up all will be one probably would have been good. So, so that, that's it. before you before you entered the stream, uh, the chat already said, "Oh, I'm so happy to see uh, Numo's favorite all-time set." Uh, <laughs> but I think that actually this is probably the best time to do this sort of episode because if you're going to with 67% win rate in a in a format, I. I am safely assuming you know what you're doing. Right. If you're going lower than you were expecting, now that's the moment when you can actually learn something new. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't be as big a level up for you as uh, Shadows of the Innistrad over Innistrad were, but uh, hopefully we can learn something and we can see what you were doing differently. And I have to say that I did this thing for several players. Actually, we're going to see a comprehensive list of them in the top 10 of the uh, trophy leaderboard uh, on uh, 17 lands. And you have very different numbers from any of them in some aspects. So we're going to talk a bit about oh. that. Uh, so basically, this is all-time 17lens.com best of one leaderboard. And as you can see, you're third. So there's uh, there's room for improvement. Uh, I think that the only <laughs> the only way of improving is just playing more, which I don't think is healthy. But uh, you have an insane 30% trophy rate across so many games. Win rate across thousands of games of 64.2. And then 455 trophies altogether. Uh, which is solid in top three. I mean, I know all those players in top 10, except for Ekken, who I assume is not a human, but a machine who learned how to win with magic and not never loses. Um, but I know that they're all amazing players, and I know that you're among that group of the probably most consistent limited grinders. So uh, we're looking at a player who knows what they're doing most of the sets. But here is the um, leaderboard of one. And I had to cut the top 10 because you didn't make it uh, in terms of the number of trophies, which is sad. It just missed by a couple, but, um, uh, you know, 30 and you would have been there. But only 23 uh, trophies, mainly because you played slightly less than you normally do, I assume. Mm. Uh, but also 60% win rate, that's four percentage points lower, and only 23% trophy rate, which is seven percentage points lower. So significantly fewer trophies. You know, this is the thing that I think is... a big psychological aspect of the formats when your win rate drops even by only like three four percent your trophy rate drops significantly so you don't get that adrenaline boost right. when you're uh, when you're trophying and maybe your resolve to play more of the format is is, is dropping and and hopefully we're going to actually see that on a couple of the graphs so before we go into the actual numbers what do you think went wrong with this format was it not agreeing with your game style was it uh, yeah, I think that's probably a little bit of it. I mean, we always like to harp on, especially of this format, oh man, being on the play when you're playing best of one is such a huge advantage. And I know that's something that uh, you posted a lot about and even wrote some articles on. 
uh, about the, the the varying win rates and the, the, the varying stats. And I think that uh, people overestimated how much being on the play um, uh, being on the play altered your your overall win rate. And for me, I mean, it did feel like being on the play was a significant advantage. So I don't want to say a lot of it was due to luck. But I do want to also, you know, make myself a little bit be- feel a little bit better and uh, say something of the sort there. But uh, no, no, th- I mean, just overall, I think the format is fast, and maybe I didn't, um, g- I guess, latch onto that quick enough. I I tried to draft more of the slower, what I like to call dirty decks, you know, that didn't have uh, enough early presence to to really stabilize versus. Uh, maybe what was more correct in the format. You know, I'm trying to cast like five mana, six mana spells and not necessarily have a two drop or three drop and my opponent's going like, you know, "Eh, two drop, three drop, and then a removal spell. Oh, I guess you can't win anymore. Yeah, uh, that format definitely, that was the the case. And that was the part of what I was uh, writing uh, about the speed of the format. That it was not as much the uh, format being intrinsically fast, but if you were not doing the right thing, then right. the disproportion between you and the people that were doing the right thing, which was curving out and then finishing with the removal, then you were losing the games independently of being on the player on the draw. Um, so I actually did not do the stats on how what how much did you win on the play and on the draw. Okay. So uh-huh. may, may, maybe because I have all the data at hand, so maybe at the end of the stream I can yeah. quickly make a make an extra graph and 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 we can look at this. Uh, that would be that would be super interesting. Stats, so. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so there goes the first things. So just to give the, the numbers on um, what I analyzed, uh, the drafts were played between 7th of February and 17th of March, but what you will see later that the 17th of March is a bit stretching the time frame because that was <laughs> maybe two solitary drafts that you played later to cross that 100 draft threshold or something. Uh, you did play 101 best of one drafts. That's 672 games. You drafted, or at least you logged, 4,158 cards being drafted with a win rate of just over 60%. And you drawn roughly 11,000 cards across uh, all those games. And in paper, that will be 20 kilos of extra lifting <laughs> uh, without counting the sleeves. So um, uh, you saved yourself that much lifting, although I'm pretty sure mouse is heavier. That, that much um, recycling too. That's true. Uh, you can just dump it next to the Modern Horizon 2 uh, boxes. So, yes, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> So I normally divide this kind of uh, seminar into two portions. First part, I look at the draft. So I look at the cards that you drafted the most. I look at the cards that when you drafted them, they made your deck most frequently. Um, Cards that you almost always take when you see them and percentage of playing a first pick. Um, And then the second portion will be all about the win rates of the cards. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the cards that you had big success with and cards that you maybe were not as successful with. Um, Okay. So first category is... Most drafted cards, and I will going to ask you questions about uh, each category, and then you can think of maybe a couple of answers, one, two, three, if you have them on the top of the sure. head. I'm going to show you the top 10 for the, each category, and then we'll see how well okay. you know yourself. So which cards do you think you drafted the most? Okay, let me, let me pull up the set real quick, because... Sure. I can't... It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it has been. I don't want to pull up my 17 land stats. I know I looked at my 17 land stats a lot when the set was active, but that's been a month or so now. So all will be one. And I guess I'll just go by color. I'll look at the uh, the, the Wizards uh, card preview list. I assume you have them set by color or whatever too, right? No, no. Just uh, This is just by number and oh, by, just... rare, by rarity mainly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, why can't I mean the whole point is to maybe show that there are color trends in them and uh, 
True. I mean, I'm going to guess that my top drafted colors are like blue and green as general. Uh, let's see here. I would guess like Gitaxian Prowlers, pro or not uh, Prowler, Gitaxian Raptors, probably one of my most drafted commons. That's the uh, blue 1-4 flyer. Mm -hmm. um, Volt Charge is probably up there. Let's see, in white. I would guess not Crawling Chorus, but maybe Flensing Raptor in white. Barbed Batter Fist in red is probably really high. Green, I would hope that the uh, Vorak <laughs> would be really high, but I don't actually okay. recall drafting all that many, yeah. This is the thing about human memory, is uh, we can go straight to the data. So, yeah, your top card with the nice 69 <laughs> is Barbed Butter Fist. And that's been, by quite a lot, the most the card that you drafted the most. Okay. We're going to come back to that later during the presentations. Uh, second was Contagious Vorak, but you can oh, see that... The, okay. But the rest of those cards is pretty flat. So you got Axiom Engravers, quite a few of those. Glistening Seer and Gitaxian Raptor, as you mentioned, the Raptor. Uh, Malkatar's Watcher, Hazardous Blast, Rustfine Cultivator, Vivid Surgeon's Insight. And I think you got only one white card. It's Charge okay, of the Mites. Sure. So basically, you got a, a Timur uh, set rather than uh, strictly Simic. So there's plenty of red that you drafted. I think partially because red was so heavily open uh, during the format, at least in the initial couple of weeks or mm -hmm. even initial four weeks. Red cards were just insanely open. The fact that you could get Axiom Engravers on the wheel all the time was uh, mind-boggling to me. Yeah. And then the lonely charge of the mites as a white card. I think maybe... White had an opposite problem as red. White was very overdrafted for the most of the format because, and I think that I figured it out with some data, I think that people were chasing the toxic kills uh, to get the boost out of it. And it was not the 17 lens users, it was the, the rest of the uh, population in Magic, sure. the more maybe more casual players that played maybe three drafts in the format. And because you only play three, you want to get toxic kills. So you force um, white, green, white, black. And that was the problem with white and with black, especially that it was overdrafted, even though it was not powerful. And of course, you don't see any black cards in your collection. <laughs> uh, so let's look at the maybe uncommons that you drafted the most. Ooh, uncommons. Ah, uncommons. Let's see. All right. It's very tricky because because they will be in the roughly 25 to 20 to be in the top 10 right, uh, range. Yeah. So not so many that you might remember them. I'll just go through the card list real quick and note, like, I'm sure I took a lot of Against All Odds. That's the very first card they have listed there. That was one of my favorite cards, uh, especially towards the tail end of the format. I really like the Against All Odds. Um, I doubt I got that many ossifications. Let's see. Blue... Did blue even have that many good uncommons? Let's, oh gosh. Uh, maybe, oh, I might actually, Immobilizer might be pretty high up there on my uncommon list. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, Unctus' Retrofitter. I would guess that of any of the blue cards, Retrofitter was probably my number one uncommon. For black, <coughs> maybe Edifice, yeah. I think I took a ton of Edifice. Red, what was the best red uncommon? <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say what's the best because what was the one that I drafted the most? Uh, Rebel Salvo or Hex? Uh, yeah, Salvo is probably up there. And then for green, Scrap Gorger, and maybe my number one all time was like the uh, what's the red white uh, equipment? The War Whip. I'm guessing War Whip was my number one uncommon, but I'm willing to okay. be proven proven wrong here. Um, uh, are you going to be proven wrong? Um, so let's let's go to the uh, to the actual results. 
the, your most drafted uncommon was Cephalopod Sentry. I forgot about that one. That yeah, that was a card I latched onto uh, towards the tail. Well, maybe not the tail end, but in the middle of the format. To be fair, even with Anctus's Retrofitter and even with Cinder slash Ravager, mm, so okay. you know, three great cards. One you didn't mention, and uh, I found surprising sure. when I saw it on this list, and 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 we were going to talk about it maybe slightly later. Was Mir Convert that you drafted a ton of? And this card had specifically pretty bad numbers on 17 lands for uh, <laughs> general population. You know, I mean, this is this is going to make a Serum Core Chimera also, a card that you drafted a ton. Right. Maybe you didn't play a ton of it, but you drafted it because it was going late and you were keeping it open. Tamiyo's Immobilizer, um, Gleeful Demolition, a, another card that I think you might have been speculating over. Uh, Arm, more Scrap Gorger, the 0-3 uh, Mana Dork. Uh, Furnace Punisher, that's the 3-3 Menace, the always somehow pinged me when I played the top yep, ones in, yep. in the early season. And Conquer Bloom, uh, another great like early drop. So um, any cards in that list that surprised you that you drafted so much? I guess Gleeful Demolition, but only... I, I For Gleeful Demolition, I never took those early. Those were always cards that you would get on the wheel and you would always just see them late. So yeah, I think all that, of the other I'm cards... Sure yeah, Yeah, all the other cards I actively tried to play and heavily played, I would say. As you can see, there is no Blade Whip. I can actually look into the data and um, uh, try to find it. Yeah, maybe I just didn't draft red-white enough. Maybe that was just my favorite uncommon. Um, it, it, it definitely appears somewhere. It's going to be like three, and I'm going to be like, what is going on? It was 16, so it was okay. five below that. And and what other cards you said? Edifice? Oh, yeah, the uh, what's it called? The... the... Black yeah, uncommon. 17 so. of that. And against all odds, you only drafted 13 times. Oh, okay. Well, felt like a lot so, more. Yeah, but because probably it was at the uh, latter stage of the format, mm -hmm. and probably you drafted very little of it in the first set. So you remember the most recent. The yeah. recency bias is real. Uh, okay, so which cards, when you drafted them, almost always made the deck? Uh, Hexgold Slash. I'm guessing Batterfist is probably up there. So before you uh, 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 before you give answers, most of those cards are actually commons. There's a couple of uncommons and there's one rare on that list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess Hexgold Slash because that's mm -hmm. a common. Batterfist common, and that's my most drafted common, I think you said. So that would make sense. And I drafted a ton of those. Um, assuming I drafted it over 10 times. Yeah, I'd probably put Raptor up there as well. I don't know why I was so fond of Raptor. That maybe that I just felt like that card was good. Um, I'm guessing Mere Convert is in there. I like that card a lot. I thought it was just good. It's a two mana ramp card. It's got Toxic. Of course, you're gonna play it in your deck, every deck, you know. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not pushing judgment on the card. I just <laughs> I just I just said that it had bad numbers on 17 lands. But sure. But you're not 17 lands. You're a person that has higher win rate than 17 <laughs> okay, lands players. Fair. So. You can figure out things that work better. Um, okay, do you want me to go? Because I think that you gave. Sure, I okay. saw so someone in the chat, amazing answer, White Sands Zenith, because that was the card that you drafted over 10 times, exactly nice. 11 times, and you put it every single time that you drafted it, surprisingly. Why would you put this uh, X spell? I, I have no idea. That's weird. You never played the Red Zenith. <laughs> not, not even once? I think maybe once. Okay, yeah. But a card that surprised me quite is Pestilent Siphoner. And to give context, you didn't draft it very frequently, but when you drafted, you almost always played it, which means to me that you probably only drafted it when you were specifically in some kind of a toxic kind of brew. 
Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. I would think so for sure. In fact, I think at the very like the first week or two of the format is when I was heavily into the poisoning out the opponent plan, taking the toxic creatures extremely high. Because I remember in um, like original scars. Uh, what was it called? There was another one-one flyer with um, not toxic, but uh, infect one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head for some reason. But that card was like really, really good. And so when All Will Be One came out, I was like, "Oh, this must be the same exact thing." But it wasn't, of course, because infect and toxic are completely different. And yeah, a one-one for two mana is not what you want to be doing, especially if you fall behind. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually taking the Pestilent Siphoner lesson too, and uh, to heart when I'm evaluating that battle that makes a 1-1 flyer i I, i'm I'm going to probably look at siphoner whenever i think about that card (laughs) um basilica shepherd i guess also this is a card that you need to invest high picks to pick therefore you only picked it when you Mm -hmm. needed actually the mares probably that is a lot of white cards on that list i'm i'm noticing though so seems like a a tendency to favor those white cards and make them work, or I, if I get them, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's actually quite the opposite. It's maybe it's a tendency to only pick white cards when you intend to play white. Mm. When you have already found some kind of other reason, like maybe White Sun's Twilight, then you start focusing on the white cards. And maybe it might be linked to the fact that, as I said before, the general population was overdrafting white by quite a lot. And then you were avoiding it unless a lane appeared and then you started drafting it and then you played those cards because obviously they had to be uh, investing you had to invest high picks to get those cards and if you invested high picks to get them then you probably play them in your deck yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i guess the charge of the mites is the only one that when i look at that list is like okay maybe it doesn't make the deck if i'm playing white but all the others are pretty darn good i think that yeah charge you you had some kind of personal preference um okay uh so which cards that never made your deck did you draft the most? Ooh. So this is almost almost bins, cards that you drafted. And which cards never made your deck that you have seen the most in draft? So cards that you see, never pick, and never put in your deck. Which cards that I never that never made my deck did I draft the most? Oh, that's interesting. Nah, no one remembers those. Shoot. Okay. What does the set have? Um Apostle of Invasion. I hated that card for some reason. That was the six mana four four flyer. I think you played it once. Yes. All right. Good. Um, I didn't like Gold Warden's Helm at the beginning. I started liking it a lot later in the format. Let's see. Oh, Leon and Lightbringer in white. Again, I'm just going through the list well, of you, you, cards. You played it several times. Okay. Fair enough. Can it's I actually think? a very weird card that we're going to find later in terms of the numbers. Um, your deck and you drafted the most... I'm sure there. Are, I'm sure there are a ton of weird ones. Uh, Orthodoxy Enforcer. Again, I'm just going through white. That sounds like a card that I probably took a lot, and then I was like, okay, this is a four drop I don't want, or something like <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe you played it once or twice again. Okay, shall we move it? And 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 yeah, and, yeah. And let's let okay. The big reveal. Duress. That's the oh, most. Of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. Oh. Then you have Phyrexian Atlas. Quite rightfully, you decided this is not the time for that kind of card in this format. Uh, Forge Hammer Centurion. That was the. Uh, 3-2, when a card dies, it gets an oil counter. You can move to oil counters to have something not being able to block for a turn. Uh, another mirror the, that you maybe liked less than the convert was the Kinsmith. You picked 11 of them. And actually, it's amazing that you only picked 11 of them because you've seen like 300 and, right. uh, and you only picked 11. <laughs> you would probably expect, last picks, yeah. Exactly. You would expect that you get more of them as a last pick, but no, you somehow managed to craftily avoid it. 
which means to me that there was a small but maybe elite group of uh, American Smith aficionados that were picking it before the last pick uh, mm. as a speculative pick while you never did it. And then we have Awaken the Sleeper, the, the threatened effect, and Nahiri sacrifice, the two mana sacrifice a creature. It deals whatever, two damage or right, three yeah. damage in this format. Uh, divide as, like, as much as you like with an awful card. I, I think the only card that was like kind of playable there is the Forge Hammer. And I just remember hating, like every time I would see it in draft and I was playing red, I'd be like, this card's unplayable. I hate it. I'm not taking it. Yeah. I, I also have a thing about three twos. I mean, you're, 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 it has to do a lot for me to convince you yep. to play a three two in an aggressive yeah. deck <clears throat> because I hate trading my three drop with their two drops. Yep. Always. Um, okay. So uh, let's look at the other category the cards that you've seen. Oh. Oh wow! Where is this? Where is the slide? No, 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 no. Oh, isn't it after that next one? Oh, I yeah, see. It, it, it should have been a different one. Gotcha, but it's I not see. a different one. Where is it? Where is the proper one? Uh, uh, I can quickly fix it. I hope. Um, so, cards that you've seen the most, but they never made your deck. Is it? Yes, that's the that's the category. Um, seen the most. Well, let me ponder that while you're looking for the. Uh, yeah, exactly. The that, slide. that will be that will be the useful. Seen the most, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Aspirant's Ascent, the one mana blue instant trick that gave flying. I think I never play that. Bring the ending. I hated the counter spells in the format. Um, oh, that's 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 a good thing. What else did I hate on? Bone Picker Scourge. I'm sure I played it a couple times, but that was another one that I just really hated. That was the uh, three mana 2 2 flyer that could gain death touch and lifelink if you had the opponent uh, corrupted. I might have never played, or maybe once or twice, the Centur the Cutthroat Centurion, the three mana two two artifact creature, where you can sacrifice an artifact or a creature to get plus two plus two once a turn. Mm, that's so basically it's sorry, it's not cards that you never seen the most but you never played. It's cards that um you've seen the most but you never picked. Oh that's Oh that I oh that I never picked. Yeah, oh okay. you've seen them a lot but you never picked. Necrosquito, I remember hating that card with a passion, although that's an uncommon, but... Well, it's 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 fine. It's a, I, I count as a percentage, so it doesn't matter if it's okay. an uncommon or not. It, it's it's uh... Just a percentage of, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Testament Bearer, I probably saw a thousand of those and passed them. Whispers Why? of Dross. Because, I mean, it, it, it seems like a decent card to me. No, no, I came around to that card, I think, later in the format, but it's it, it, closer to the beginning of the format. I, I just didn't think that was good enough because, and this was uh, probably a result of just getting run over. Like, same thing with playing a three mana three two, right? Playing a four mana four one is like kind of, kind of unfortunate, although this one does replace itself. So that one, I think, came up on my pick order later on. I passed a lot of Chimney Rebels. I took a lot of them, but I'm sure I passed a ton of Chimney Rebels. And that was a card that uh, actually had a, like I saw, I don't know if it was you that posted it, but it had like a super high, like the the, the best red common for a little while or something. Oh yeah, till the end basically. Till the Really? Yeah, and, and I know I didn't take those very high, so I'm when, sure. When that, you yeah. think about it, it's it's just like, it's just like sort of like a four-four haste for four mana, but instead of being a four-four, it brings two bodies and only three quarters of it has haste. Okay, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, right. So I'm roughly ready to do. Okay, the sure. Thing. I'll keep. I'll insert, keep looking. Uh, insert the data. Yes. Let's see. I know I didn't, or I feel like, anyways, I didn't play enough combat tricks in the format, like. Blazing Crescendo, I didn't latch on until later, and I think I, I liked that card later on. Same thing with, like, Titanic Growth. I never really played them early. Because usually, I hate combat tra tricks usually. Like, 
I always think that, oh, you're just going to get blown out. You know, they have an instant speed removal spell in response. You're two for one in yourself. But in this format, it was completely reasonable just, you know, to have a couple creatures early, follow them up uh, with combat th tricks. So there is a one card on that list that literally mind boggles me why. And um, we're going to okay. see it in a second. Charge percentage. There we go. Is it some crazy bomb? <laughs> no, no, it's not a bomb. It's 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 a very ut utility card, like like oh. bread and bread and butter card that you see in almost every format. And I'm um, I'm surprised why you don't pick it. Oh wait, no, that's the wrong one. That's the one. Did it change? Uh, I still see the same page. Duress, Atlas, Centurion. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's get. Um... There we go. There we have. So the, the okay so. Uh, you have Necrosquito, which is a perfect uh, call, I think, from your side. Apostle of Invasion that you mentioned in the mm. other part um, that you almost never picked. Uh, but Terramorphic Expanse was the card that I was uh, finding mind-boggling. You absolutely didn't want to play it. I, th I think, and just the tap lands in general, I was really turned off of. Uh, generally, for me, I don't care to run Terramorphic if I'm only two colors. Like, if, I, if I'm branching out into more than two colors, I don't mind running Terramorphic. But I think the the tempo hit of having tap lands in this format was just really I don't know really pained me. So even the tap lands that sacrificed uh, to draw a card or whatever weren't something that I wanted to take early enough. Oh yeah, I mean I I, I definitely was not in favor of the spheres, but I still picked the uh, uh, evolving wilds. Let's sure. Call it this, let's call let's call it with the real name. Terramorphic okay. Express yeah, yeah. is just an invented name to confuse me. Um, <laughs> I thought that you know. It's, Fixing is better than drawing a card most of the time, and you know you also thin your deck a bit, which which is something. You were not a big fan of Gathane of Contracts somehow. I man, I wonder how many of car, of of that Gath card I saw because, like now that now that you bring it up, I'm just vividly remembering opening Geth a ton of times, seeing it get passed a ton of times, and I'm actually surprised I didn't take it more frequently just because it was worth gems at that point when I was on such a downswing. Yeah, that's that's maybe that's maybe the thing. Uh, you've seen it twenty-eight times. That's a that seems like a lot for a rare. For a rare, that's quite a, quite yeah. a, quite a number. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. Okay. Where do we go? Um, which cards have you never seen Ooh. in any one draft? There's two of them. They're both at mythic, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh. Wait, let, me, let me check if they're both at mythics. Yeah, they're both at mythic. These, and I think are... that at least one you must regret that you never opened it. Oh, that's for sure a Traxa then. That's 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 Boom. gotta be yeah. <laughs> I, I I saw it twice. I vividly remember. I saw it on day one of like the early access event, and I, I don't know how I didn't take it then, especially for the early access. Yeah, and no, then the right. second time I saw it, it was on an arena open day two. Oh, okay, and it was this, like this pick is not two in the data. Yeah. yeah, it was like pick two or three. And I was like, ah, I can't. I was close. I was like green blue or something and i know i could have splashed it i had a little bit of fixing you can you can tell this pains me because i vividly remember the exact times i passed yeah no i mean yeah. it's a very very strange card in terms of data because it has an insane game in hand win rate but an insanely low win rate when you don't draw it so uh <laughs> and you know you draw the card roughly 50 percent of the game sure. in, in this format or maybe in this format maybe even 45 percent of the games so it's a high risk strategy to play a Traxa Dex. uh but the second card that you never oh, saw was the Sword okay. of Forging Frontier. Wow. Which which you also probably wouldn't mind picking. Yeah. Because um, I know I yeah. lost to that card a few times. So I'm actually, 
I'm surprised there wasn't any that. Uh, oh no, wait. This is the ones that I I play with, right? Oh, I mean, if I had it, I would have played it for yeah, sure. Yeah, if you if you, you just never opened a single copy of it gotcha. in the in okay. the in the best of one data set. Yeah, huh. either of the cards. So yeah, I mean, Atraxa is such a good card for content creation as well, uh, and, and you can play it in constructed now, you know. Atraxa Neoform, anyone? <laughs> okay, so now let's focus on the cards maybe that you're more interested in. And it's which cards you have taken almost every time you saw them. And I'm using the term almost every time very loosely. It means a lot, basically. Um, <laughs> what, uh, is, it, is it like 50% of the in time? In terms of commons, in terms of commons, it will be around 45% for the okay. top ones. And, and top 10, if you take the common quarter of the time, that's still quite a lot. Because yeah. you have to think you're also going to see them in the pack once when you hopefully will take right. a rare and a common. Yeah. So yeah, you, you can't expect that number to be too high. Sure. I'm just going to go down the list of uh, colors. I'm going to guess Vorak. I almost always or like took a lot of the time in green. Hex Gold Slash in red. Uh, not Ossification. What was the other one? Uh, planar. Uh, yeah. Planar, planar Disruption. disruption? Yeah, I okay, think let's that stop, one let's stop there. Let's stop okay. there and let's look at the list because you quit while you're ahead. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So we have a top three. You have four hexgold slash and planar disruption. <laughs> um, then we have the vault charge, bark okay. butterfist, annoyed with affliction. Like lots of the cards in the top um, are removal. You have the slash. You got disruption, charge, annoyed with affliction, uh, sort of charge of the mites. And then it's like those quality creatures. So Vorak, uh, bark butterfist, allegedly a quality creature. Um, <laughs> Duelist of Deep Faith, which right. I assume is not only... So I don't know if you know, but I do this kind of uh, mathematical analysis of different decks when you find okay. sub subcluster that went quite, went quite a lot in each color combination. And I found a cluster that had quite a lot of winning decks that was red-white toxic, and Duelist of the Deep Faith was the most important card in that deck. So you basically equip the Duelist, get, get to um, corrupt someone, and then yep. you play the corrupt spells uh, in white that and red. Sense. And also, you can use the proliferate from the vault charge to get mm -hmm. uh, extra toxic. Which would, it was a weird one, but I guess mainly this one for green, white, and green, black. In your case, Flensing Raptor, you you were quite high on this card as you mentioned before. And for a weird reason, there's also Malkatrus Watcher. That card was great. I man, so again, and this is in line with the Cephalopod Sentry being my. Uh... Uh, I don't remember what stat it was, but I know it was just heavily picked or whatever. <laughs> uh, like the blue-white artifact deck, I liked a lot. And the Watcher just did so much. Like it was annoying poke damage. There were a lot of relevant one toughness creatures. If you get that retrofitter, it's a Sarah Angel. Uh -huh. Come on, you want to live the dream. And then I mean, the, I, I yeah, assume yeah, you lived the dream quite a lot, judging by how many times yes, you picked the absolutely. Uh, retrofitter. Absolutely. Okay. Conversely, I, so I sorry. Uh, conversely, yeah, I hated the uh, the Eye of Malkator. I know a lot of people like that one, and I I played plenty of it. Don't get me wrong, but man, I hated that card. Yeah, it was sort of like you know, like a good old '90s strategy when you play a strategy that you you either win very quickly or lose very very atrociously. Yeah, and I think that was the problem with the Eye of Malkator. Maybe in the beginning, when people um, when when the archetype was sometimes like atrociously open, maybe it was working, but later. When people started being attentive towards white blue being open, it's just you couldn't get the density of artifacts. You had to play stupid spell bombs, yep. which you couldn't have sacrificed because you were too busy doing the Eye of Malkator <laughs> thing. And yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, okay, which cards were you picking snappily when uh, from the uncommon bracket? And here you have higher numbers. So 
it goes from 65% of the time to mm. uh, 42. That would make more sense because you see fewer of them and they're more impactful. Exactly. Uh, let's see. I'm going to guess ossification for white instead of the disruption. So comparable common to uncommon would be my guess there. For blue, let's go with... Ooh, were there... Oh, yeah, uh, the retro... Uh, wait, Unctus is retrofitter. Yep. I like that one a lot. Black. What was black's good removal? Drown? No, I didn't actually take that card a lot, though. Black might have been like the edifice. I know I liked that card a lot early on. And that was one of the higher picks. For red, let's go with... Oh, you know, I didn't... Man, a lot of the time I ended up taking Batterfist over Halberd, so I doubt Halberd's up there for red. I would guess Rebel Salvo's probably up there for red. That would make sense. And let's go Scrap Gorger for green. Uh, okay, let's take a look. Because I have a second window when I'm watching the actual answer. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I knew it was the convert. Oh, yeah. I should have known anyways. But you have Scrap Gorger. Ossification is there. Okay. Retrofitter is. Drown and Ikor, actually, you were picking it uh, a lot, 44% oh. of the time. So that was enough to make it on the list. You forgot also Attracts a Skitterfang, I guess, also sure. a colorless threat. So you will pick it highly. Annex Sentry, because that card is just... Obviously. Yeah. What were they thinking? <laughs> uh, Canker Bloom, uh, Evolving Adaptive, and Rebel Salvo that you mentioned, uh, and indeed No Halberd. Uh, probably it was not too far from there, but um, but not just there. So yeah, I think that this is like a real pleasure when you do that with uh, with pro players. Uh, last time I had Sam Black, and as you can imagine, Sam Black knew a lot of answers because <laughs> he probably constantly thinks about those answers sure. anyway without even the purpose of being recorded. And I, I have the same vibe with you. You just basically know exactly what you are doing because you're thinking about what you're doing. And because you're thinking about what you're doing, you somehow memorize it, even though you hated the set and you last played it real, realistically a month ago. <laughs> I think you're giving me a little bit too too much credit there, but I'll, I'll, I'll accept the praise. I mean, there is no credit here. You had Scrap Gorger, you had Ossification, That's you true. had the Retrofitter, uh -huh. yeah. you had Drone and Iker and Rebel Salvo in the sort of mention. And the previous graph, you gave three answers and they were top three. <laughs> this is not the credit, the reality. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, but now we have the game. Ah, I always prepare a game. All right. The game's purpose is sort of educational, but um, it's called Card X or Orthodoxy Enforcer. <laughs> and this is that the question is, which card did you pick more frequently? Meaning you picked it more percent of time when you saw it than the Orthodoxy Enforcer or fewer percent than uh, Orthodoxy Enforcer. Okay. So uh, here we have Orthodoxy Enforcer or Oil Gorger Troll. Troll, I hope. You picked more frequently. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. By oh, 0. oh, God. By 0.2%. Okay, that's embarrassing, points. actually. So you picked Orthodoxy Enforcer 12.3% uh, of the time and Oil Gorger Troll 12.5% of the time when you saw them. Uh, so now we have Orthodoxy Enforcer or Basilica Shepherd. Oh, yeah, Shepherd, right? It's got to be. Okay. It is Shepherd. Yeah, it is Shepherd at 15% uh, of the time when you saw it. So two. Oh, let's see if we can fool you. Enforcer or Isle of Malkator? I definitely played more I have Malkators. Ooh, yeah, I gotta go with I, unfortunately. No, oh, you pick okay. more frequently Orthodox Enforcer. Okay, oh, so maybe it was out of spite. <laughs> like when I took the I, I was more likely to play it. But when I didn't take an I, or when I saw an I and I wasn't planning on playing it, I just absolutely avoided it. Um, what did you pick more frequently when you saw it? Enforcer or Anointer? 
I actually did not care for Anointer all that much. I'm a guess enforcer. Nope, Anointer, 13.3. We are 2-2. Two, two. This is the last one, so this is to win it or to lose it. <laughs> Orthodoxy Enforcer or Testament Bearer? God. Like I said, I did not like Bearer at the beginning of the format, and I didn't play much black at the end, so I'm going to go with Enforcer here. Yes! Yes. And the last gasp effort you take, actually Testament Bearer you uh, picked very little, 5.7% of the time when you saw it. I think cards maybe deserved a bit better from you. I, I agree. It was, I not agree. A, it was not a bad card. But the whole game actually has an educational purpose and uh, there is 12.5% is the magic numbers. So cards that you never pick are the ones where you disagree with the rest of the magic world the most. But if you would have a card like this, uh, Seven uh, Wooburg, uh, Legendary Creature, Human Jester. If you draft this card, you lose next three matches. You would draft it 12.5% of the time because no one would want to pick it. So it would be open 12.5% of the time in the seat where you'd be forced to pick it as the last player. That's why I picked the card of this close to 12.5% because that means that you probably didn't pick this card because you wanted it, but you picked this card because it got you later and then you're just like, yeah, whatever, I have to pick something. Like... But if you have a card like Testament Bearer that you picked only 5.7% of the time, it means that you specifically think that this card is weaker than the rest of the metagame is because people will pick it before it will go to you as the last mm -hmm. picks. So I like to look at those cards where you have a very low pick rate uh, because those cards are um, where you see what's something that... Well, you see the card as something that you should be playing while the rest of the community sees it as something that right. maybe is worth at least picking. I'm not saying sure. playing, but picking. So again, we're going back to the um, previous graph that we were looking at. And I think that in most cases in here, I actually agree with what you did. So uh, Necrosquito, that card was very bad, but somehow appealing to people because, you know, once every 20 game, you had this Necrosquito game where you won. <laughs> And you forget all the 19 when it just did nothing. Uh, Same with the Centurion. Uh, maybe Grimark, that was a card that was playable in some decks. Yeah, I liked it a lot in Sealed, especially like in the Arena Open or the, the bigger events. I like that as a top-end card. And again, Adaptive Sportsinger, that card was also not doing anything in any of the decks. Minor misstep. I mean, I guess you just don't like your uh, Vault Progress, because I always pick late minor missteps for the Vault Progress. Oh, sure, because it's uncommon. Agreed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Terramorphic Expense, we were discussed. I, I see your point. Uh, people are still picking it. I was still picking it, not very highly, but at least sure. to have potential of doing something in three colors, maybe. The, the um, crazy thing is, like, in cube drafts and whatnot, I take lands extremely high. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, maybe not that I didn't take in this particular format the lands uh, very highly, but... Yeah, we, we have some other cards that uh, were on that list. Uh, Port Chabert Centurion, the card that you told me that you hate. Uh, bring the ending, the cards that you mentioned before, that was also, you picked it very, uh, very rarely, under 5% of the time. Lots of the taplands were in that category as well. Mm -hmm. um, what is maybe from the interesting cards on that list as well? Font of Progress, that card you also disagreed with the, uh, with the rest of the magic population. What? I, I mean, people... <laughs> People picked it quite highly on okay. the progress. I, you didn't, so it means that you disagree with the rest of the population that thought that this card works. They were wrong, by the way. The numbers of that card are atrocious. So, oh, uh, I know that. Yeah, yeah, they have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying where you disagreed, and it's sure. interesting to look gotcha. at, um, uh, at at where you disagree uh, in your thought process with the rest of the people.
Um, okay. Um, so how frequently do you think the 17 Lens users played their first pick? And where do you think you land in that statistic? I would say that 17 Lens users probably play their first pick. Oh, man. Maybe this is high. 70% of the time, I'm guessing. And, and for myself, I would guess that is lower on average. I would say... Oh, I don't want to go too low, though. I would say half the time. Let's go with half. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So... 17 lens users play their first pick oh, 85% of the time, and you do 79 nice 0.7%. Uh, <laughs> which, well, I think that the difference between uh, an average and what you did is right. It's just yeah. you estimated maybe the frequency Too of low, how, yeah. how often. And this format was quite high because I've seen the data for previous one, I think, was 80% for 17 lens users. But also, all my previous guests, they played their uh, they played their first picks slightly more frequent than the 17 Lens users. And you're oh, the first more, one. More frequent. That, yeah. Oh. Like even Sam Black, you know, because Sam Black just picks anything green and black and blue, and he knows sure. that he's going to play sure. it. Um, but also, I think Corticals picked it more frequently than the average. Florida Man definitely had higher. So, yeah, I mean, you are definitely an outlier that you are not married to your first pick by uh, no stretch of imagination. So maybe I, maybe, I stayed, quite low. maybe I stayed too open then. Maybe that was an issue too. It could have been because especially in this format, uh, it was a lot luck-based which gold commons, <laughs> which secret gold commons are going right. to be opened in the right. pod rather than weaving when you limit yourself to the... Um, um, I, I still play it 70% of the time. That that seems high to me, but... Well, that, huh. that that's that's what the data says. That, that's, yeah, if that's the math. That, that, the, the math. The math be right. Um, so yeah, at least it was surprising to you. Um, so now we did the first part, which was the draft portion. We can look at the win rate and we can actually talk about some win rates. If something is not on the graph, we can also look through that. If you're interested about some cards, no problem, we can go through them. Uh, um, but first, I need to explain the running average. Okay. So the problem with the looking at the data like win-loss is that you end up with graphs that have a lot of dots at one and a lot of dots at zero, win-loss, and you can't really read very well the, uh, the trends. That's why I employ the thing called running average. When I take a window of uh, here, it's 10 points, and then I calculate the average for those 10 points, and I move by one, and I calculate the average for the next... Uh, without the first point, but with the next gotcha. point. Uh -huh. And it moves like this to a window. Sure. And when you add all those things, then you get a sort of like you can read trends from a bigger data sets. This is just a random selection, right? This is not This mine. is just a random okay. example uh, just to show how it works. And I'm doing the same thing for your win rate across the format. Okay. So uh, how did your confidence in play develop during the format? And when do you think your winning years period in the format was? Oh, yeah. I think for sure at the beginning of the format, I was trying more, quote unquote, fun things, uh, a lot of poison uh, strats for sure. And then the last half, I dropped out of poison significantly, I think. And so my winningest period is is probably um, if maybe last half is too big a window, like the la maybe the, the, the third quarter or the, the last quarter are probably my most winningest periods. I wouldn't be surprised if the very last quarter... I started to branch out more and tried to have more fun again instead of you know trying to actually win. Although I know okay. I know okay. for sure, yeah. Go ahead. Let, let's let's look because I think that this is exactly what happened. Like you started pretty low for your standards, then there was a light small peak, then you dropped back again, then you increased to uh, your peak. It was around seventy percent actually, and each of these points covers hundred games, so uh, quite a substantial sample size. Okay, yeah. 
<coughs> and then at the end you started dropping down <laughs> and then you stopped playing and then you just realized like oh i need to play one more draft to be over 100 <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey, that's almost exactly what I was talking about. It looks no, no, like. yeah. The, again, again, I, I, I see that good players that think what they're doing, they know what they did, and they can recall it quite well. I, I think especially that later correction when you said, I think the best wins are my maybe third quarter, and then I started dropping down because I started doing turtling and doing dumb yeah, things in yeah. the last... Uh, that that pl played off. We'll see also from a slightly different angle. So um, there you go. <clears throat> Pablo Picasso had multiple periods of his, uh, of his uh, painting, including a blue period and a rose period, uh, when he used different colors and different tints uh, to make his paintings. Do you think you had a particular color period in this format when you were drafting one color predominantly um, or um, when you were avoiding some colors? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think this just goes in line with that. Like, I'm sure black, green, and white were heavily drafted at the beginning, mostly the toxic strats. And then I would say red, white. Actually, I probably drafted just a ton of white, period. Red, green, and red, white, I probably picked up later. Uh, just as a weird side note, it's so crazy to me that Picasso was so recent. Whenever I think of Picasso, for some reason, I'm thinking of like back in the 1200s or something. But no, he was he was like contemporary. He was like 40 years ago he died or something. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so I mean, he died eight years before I was born. Yeah, like there, super there contemporary. Go. Anyway, Um I would say I drafted a lot of red, green, and red, white towards the end, and then the 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 toxic strats at the beginning. That's that's those are my periods. Okay. Let, 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 let's take a let's take a look. Um, so there you go. I mean, you started drafting a lot of black. It dropped down almost, <laughs> and then you then you almost didn't draft any black for for the rest of the thing. You drafted like maybe ten percent of your decks had black. Um, then you had this brief red period in the beginning, and then it dropped down, and then. Uh, in the end, you drafted hell of a lot of red. Like eighty percent of your deck in the end were red, uh, and white. You started with some, but then you had this dominant period of white when eighty percent of your decks were white uh, through the middle and the third quarter, the, the part where you were actually winning quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that exactly in this point there was a swap when you stopped drafting white completely and started drafting red instead, and that's when you slightly dropped off. Um, and obviously, we can we can look at those graphs side by side, um, so you can see what was happening. So you can see that this increase in the win rate, you also increase in white drafting, and then the white drops, and the win rate drops. That's cool. That's pretty neat. I thought that yeah. this uh, this kind of thing might be a feature in Seventeen Lens for people that draft a hell of a lot. Yeah, I, I remember black at the beginning. I was like, oh, anoint to. Uh, uh, Anoint to wait. What's it called? Anoint to perfection. Yeah, something like I was like this. This best common in the format. It exiles anything cheap, and then you easily just get them poisoned. And now you're gonna kill anything. And I started like seeing anoints. I'm just like, no, just pass them. No, don't even. You know. I mean, the the problem was that anoint was the only good black common, and also black was you know normally over time draft is self correcting, but it was mm -hmm. not in this case because of the toxic that was too big a temptation for frequent players, unfortunately. And I still think that white was the, clearly the best color in the format, but probably in the beginning, it was much better to draft red because red was so underdrafted yeah. that you yeah. were getting bangers at the wheel and white was always overdrafted till the end of the format. But okay, um, we know where your red period was and that was the end and that's when your uh, win rate started <laughs> dropping. White part of the format was, like, it's almost a perfect correlation there when you see the, Increase yeah, in drafting wise and increasing your uh, win rate. So um, that's quite cool to see that uh, data can show kind of kind of stuff.
And I guess that in this moment, when you started growing, you drafted a lot of those artifact decks mm -hmm. because blue is your second most drafted right. color, which I assume you drafted blue-white quite a lot. Okay, so which color combinations were you the most successful with and the least successful with? And I can tell you that you have sort of three tier of um, color combinations. You have two that are clearly the best. You have like five of them that are somewhere in the middle and you have one that was absolutely rubbish, but you also never played it. So that's it. Oh, but I never played it. Interesting. Almost never. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Are, they, are these specifically two colors or no? This yeah, these be... are two color. I think okay. that you didn't draft three color enough to get a proper sure. sample. Okay. Sense in it. Uh, I would guess that red green probably has a higher win rate for me, even though I probably didn't draft it as much. I would guess, uh, I want to say white red was pretty high. Or white, no, it had to be like white, red, and white. Maybe it was white, red, white, blue as the tops, and then red, green was close, but probably towards that mid tier you were talking about. Okay, I'm well, gonna let's, guess. Let's let's just go and look okay, at it. Sure. That's that's easy. Red, green was your top. Um, okay, it was. I mean, it's sixty four per two. That's that's you know that's not that much more than the the middle of the pack. And then uh, also white, green. And then okay. you had this chasing pack of blue, black, blue, red, blue, white, which actually you did pretty well with blue in this format, I have to say. Yeah. Compared to people saying that blue was unplayable, 60% sure. win rate is doesn't sound like unplayable to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, for yeah, maybe you were disappointed with the 60% win rate, <laughs> but most players, most, most people would be happy. 60% um, for black, green, and then white, red, 59.3. And then you have a big drop off and uh, blue, green, white, black, and black, red, uh, especially, but you only played like five games in sure. black, red. So yeah, how, how much can you count it? For? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised the white, red was that low in, I mean, it's it's pretty comparable to all the mid-tier ones, but <laughs> would, have, would have expected that one to be higher for me. And it might be probably worth a, a deeper dive in it. And maybe you had a bunch of really strong decks in white, red, but a bunch of a bunch of decks where you didn't manage to get the sure, whip yeah. uh, that didn't do so well because I think that whip was carrying that archetype quite yeah, as, quite I, a I lot. Agree. Um, okay, so let's go to the card win rates, and we're talking about cards minimum thirty games or maybe twenty, um, and we're looking at two different statistics. So one is the games played win rate, and one is games in hand win rate. And uh, the difference games played is all the games that the card was in the deck. Games in hand are only the games when you had this card in hand for some right. reason. You drew it, you drew it in your opening one, you tutored it in, um, independently of how it happened, you had it in your hand. Now, what is the difference between those metrics is that a game in hand statistic will put more weight on the card itself mm -hmm. because you always had the card in your hand in those games, so it had more of an impact right. on the game, so it's slightly more impact of the card. Games played, 45% of the games you draw a card, and in 55, 50, that uh, area, you never see it. So half of the games and games played, you never even actually saw the card. Right. So it okay. tells you more about the ecosystem that the card exists sure. in. So the color combinations that you play together with it and stuff like that. So um, one tells more about the decks, one tells more about the card. And that's the difference between those. So yep. some cards in games played, you will see and you'll see, why is this card winning a lot? And it's not the card that's winning a lot. The card is piggyback riding yeah, on the, on strategy, the power of yeah. other cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think are your top games played cards? And <sighs> um, uh, 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 it's all rarities, but it's going to be mainly rares and uncommons. Top games played card. Oh, gosh. And this the set that you said minimum like 20 or 30? 20, I think. I, okay, I took 20. Games. So there is a couple of rares in there. 
there's a bunch of uncommons and there's one common. I mean, I have to assume <laughs> White Sun's Zenith, or not White Sun's Zenith, uh, White Sun's Twilight is up there just because that was my number one rare, I would guess. I would hope anyways. Uh, I vividly recall a bunch of, what's the 5-5? Five, five? The Spinoderm, the Hexproof thing that turns trampling. Is that, is that what it's called? The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 the Blastoderm to uh, Revenge. Yeah, the, the, the fake Blastoderm. Um, I'm guessing Annex Sentry is probably up there. I had that as my number one uncommon in the format. Uh, heck, I might even say like Cinderlash Ravager, the red green uncommon, because that car was brutal. Yeah, let's go for those four. Okay, yeah, let's let's go and let's look. I think you hit exact zero of those cards. Um, <laughs> but you have a Blue Suns Twilight, which has oh. an uh, roughly seventy percent uh, against play win rate. That doesn't mean it has a. It was a strong card. It was in your strong decks basically. Uh, you don't have um, Ravager, but you have the Miglos, which okay. is sort of like even more busted somehow. Yeah. Uh, Eternal Wanderer, that uh, sure. card is decent. Bladehold War Whip and Silvuk Battle Chair was your top games played win rate card. It seems you put your Battle Chair in very good decks. I, I guess some, so, yeah. Jeez. For I, some reason. I because, do not recall casting that all that frequently, so. No, but you did play it a lot. And um, uh, independently whether you drew it or not, you won those games. Um, it just happens because that's the kind of statistics that you get yeah. uh, uh, in those. Possibly you'd have to look at the cards with the slightly higher um, numbers in terms of how many games were played to mm -hmm. see something more consistent. But instead of that, I decided to maybe focus on um, on the uh, games in hand win rate because that tells you more about the card itself. Right. And this yep. one is more of a game. But still, we can actually look what are the cards that you played with worst win rates. So Ooh. you put them in the worst decks. And here we have, I will tell you before you start guessing, some uncommons, bunch of commons. Yep, bunch of Common, commons and uncommons. And uncommons. What There's no rares in that group. With the worst win rates. All right, let me, let's see here. God, and, I probably played some really bad a cards. A bunch of cards that I find somewhat surprising, at least. Cards I played with the worst. You know... <laughs> I would I would not be surprised if Charge of the Mites had like a really bad win weight uh, win rate for me, even though I tended to play it a lot in my white decks. Um, oh god, Infested Flesh Cutter! I liked that card a little bit, even though I know it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> the guilty pleasures of the yeah, streamer, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, atmosphere I mean, you, I think that you're 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 in the you're in the right uh, ballpark, at least with those cards that you mentioned. They are not there, but you're in the right ballpark. Okay, okay. Uh, I I think I liked Atmosphere Surgeon Surgeon a lot, but it ended up being bad for me a frequent amount of the time. Uh, let's just go over one more black card, for example. Uh, no, I'm not going to guess Anoint. Feed the Infection, maybe. Yeah, that was probably something like that. Yeah. Okay, let's let's, let's, let's take a peek. Let's, let's, let's take a gander. Um, so a bunch of of toxic cards. Uh, honestly, okay. pr pr Prosthetic Injector, Viral Spawning, which was performing which was not performing but which was in really poor decks that you were playing i don't know why job on dual is the card that i also would expect to be <laughs> slightly better yeah uh, but it somehow ended up in the decks that were not good maybe you played it in the first week when you said yourself that you were not uh, doing the best because you were pairing it too aggressively with black when it was heavy cut right and you just probably didn't get enough of the Cards and vivisection evangelist was also slightly surprising i mean it's not a busted card or not or anything but you would expect maybe being slightly higher. Yeah. And apart from that, you got the Mirren Bardish, uh, Sinew Dancer, 
Um, yeah, Fair Basilica, obviously, you didn't like the tap land, so probably that's also the week number one when you play that card more often. Yeah, I think the, the Duelist is the most surprising to me. I don't remember drafting White-Black a ton, so the Evangelist, maybe I'm not surprised at, although that card was also very good, or it felt like it was very good anyways. Yeah, and as someone in the chat says, Bardish is when your equipment deck doesn't come together very well. Yeah. But uh, against the odds, at least, can save you. Um, any cards in this list apart from Duelist that surprise you? I guess Viral Spawning. That card seems really good, but I, I must have been putting it in bad decks where I didn't have enough ways to consistently uh, get the yeah, because poisoned. It goes from Call of the Herd to Center yeah. Corsair very, yeah. very quickly. I'm not surprised Injector had a terrible win rate. People liked that card a lot. I didn't care for it that much, although obviously I still put it in some of my decks. Still in some of them, yeah. Uh, not so many, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can move to the game in hand stats. Okay. So which cards were you most successful when you drew them? And this oh, yeah. is a much more card power measuring. Yeah, kind of, indicative uh, of the card for sure. And you have one card that has 85% win rate. Um, and the lowest ones on that list are around 69. Nice. Nice. Well, we, we keep getting nice a lot. Um, this is just a number that happens a lot in if you have a 60% win rate. <laughs> So the weird thing is, I doubt White Sun's Twilight is my number one, but I'm sure it's one of the top ones. Mm -hmm. What's my, my, what was the, for some reason I felt like I lost with the Emperor a lot too. It's probably, um, oh, Luca. Maybe Luca might be my number one. It might, I'm, I think that they might not have crossed the game's plate threshold for that oh, analysis. The, because, oh, okay. uh, did they disappear basically? You did. You you died on me. Oh my god, dear me, dear me. Uh, let's go and uh, edit. Sorry for that. I don't know what happened. Oh, was I still visible to chat? I don't. I don't have chat pulled up. So, uh, oh, you can in Streamyard. You can see the chat actually. You know. Oh, you can't. Oh, yeah. Well, well, the more you know. I can even. I That's can fine. Even, it's fine. I, I can even show the comment that I, I don't need to see that. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, All right, so you yeah, said Luca and Wanderer were not on that list, correct? Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was clicking on between uh, between the windows, and I must have clicked something wrong. Um, game data, game data, game data. Yeah, because of course the games played statistics will have larger numbers. So if something was in the games played, it might not necessarily cut right. to the uh, limit on games seen because that would be half of it. Um, yeah. Sure. If you yeah, had a card in thirty games. You only see it in 15 of them. So I think that's the case for the Emperor. Um, Makes sense. So maybe like Cephalopod Sentry. I know that uh, we had that listed as one of my most drafted or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if I was very successful with that. I mm. still think Blade Hold War Whip was probably up there, even though... Oh, wait, no, no. You said that. No, that never mind. Maybe not Not with after what we're seeing. Oh, Nahiri? Oh, wait, no. Maybe that doesn't have a large enough sample size. I think there's one rare there, and the rest oh. are commons and uncommons. Wait, Urbrask's Forge. I'm going to put that as my rare now, going through the list. Okay. That's That's got to be that one. Uh, we're going to see, and maybe le le later after after the graphs are gone, we can actually look at some of the cards that you were mentioning that clearly were not on those graphs. But let's let's take a look at the at the, at the most successful card that you had. Oh, it was the War Whip, yes. The War Whip. <laughs> and the Twilight, White Twilight was the number two. That and for sense. some absolutely inexplicable to me uh, reason, Leon and Lightbringer <laughs> is number three, which you won 75% of the games when you had Leon and Lightbringer. But I think that this is... <laughs> <laughs> Probably linked that every single time you had it in your deck, you also had this. <laughs> I think that so, would probably make a lot of sense. So, yeah, I mean, later we're going to look at the 
this version of this graph when I actually condense cards to the one that you played 50 or more times, or you've seen 50 or more times, to maybe see those cards that you consistently had in your uh, decks and mm -hmm. still were over and underperforming because I think that's more telling. This a bit, you know, like Leonin Lightbringer is more of a fun result than, 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 than a significant one. But Rebel Salvo, you already had probably a decent number of those. I think Experimental Augury, uh, what do you think about this card? I No, I, I, in my blue decks, I always wanted to have as many Experimental Augury as I had because I just always played a ton of the proliferate mechanic. So I like I tried to avoid blue green, <laughs> but when I paired blue with uh, specifically like red, um, or I guess black, even if you were going to do that poison out plan, augury was just like a very good common. Mm. Vraska's fall, I guess that's the part of that plan. Yeah, I that I think that was a card I played heavily at the beginning of the format, and I tended to not draft that period afterwards. So. Most Still decent numbers, but again, this might be small num uh, small sample size. Maybe, yeah. I, I do remember that Hazardous Blast had a sizable sample size. and I'm not, still I'm not surprised with that. Yeah, I'm not surprised with that. You, you, you draw it, you, you change your plan, yeah. you adjust it, and you win, probably. Yeah, That's same thing it. with Scrap Gorge. It's just so good on turn two. Mm. Uh, okay, so uh, which cards were not a winning strategy for you, even when you drew them? Was I not winning with? Oh God, there's probably a lot. <laughs> I, uh, the worst card on the list is 38%, and the best is 50. And they're mainly commons and uncommons. Um, there is a rare. Okay. But yeah, mainly commons actually. Was I not winning if if I was? Oh God, they're they're probably there's there's. I'm gonna guess there's probably a lot of toxic creatures on that list or like combat tricks because. I don't think I was putting those in the right decks. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that, like toxic plants. Okay, toxic plants. That that's the answer. Let's yeah. see what we have there. So the worst card that you have is Gitaxian Anatomist. That's the two five with proliferate. If you it comes into play tapped. I mean, then the Bardish. Then for okay. some reason, wow, Sun Slayer. Wow. Yeah, I know it's supposed to be good. Uh, I mean, again, if you're in black green, she's kind of out of the color I mean, strategy, I guess. But huh, that's surprising. I mean, no, maybe, oh, wait, wait. Let me let me let me put it like this. Every time I played Gl Glissa, she died because I was so unlucky. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe that's the reason. I think that anyway. I think that they addressed that problem by making her slightly better in the new yes. set. So yeah. Uh, um, okay, Gold Warden's Helm, the card that you were trying to grow fond of, but. Uh, it didn't grow fond of you, uh, yeah. uh, giving you mighty 46% win rate. <laughs> Predation Steward. I don't think I was playing that all that much. And if I was, I was usually scrapping for mm. oil synergies. Turns out that Orthodoxy Enforcer, uh, not only bad in, when it's in your deck, but also when you draw it, it's equally bad. Uh, Unsurprising. Prologue to Phyresis might be a card that you played slightly more in that list. Because yeah, these I ones have small sample size, I have to be Sure. Oh, I yeah, I liked Prologue a lot if you could get the the good uh, blue-black proliferate deck, but not developing out to the board is so bad. Like, oddly, it's not that great on turn two unless you can get the Corrupted on them. Mm. I, say, I, see, I see also chat mentioning that maybe you were splashing for Glissa quite a lot, and the fact that That's you good. draw it doesn't mean that you draw the required lands. Absolutely. Especially if some people don't just don't like drafting Terramorphic Expanse. She's not good on turn four plus, obviously. No. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to show you the same graphs, but I'm trimmed all the cards that had like 20, 30, 40 sample size, and I focused okay. on the ones that you played more. Uh, so here you have Experimental Augury and Hazardous Blast mm. were the only cards that were the best cards that you played quite a lot. 
Interestingly, I think Bladecraft Aspirant and Serum Core Chimera, you not only drafted it highly, you also played it enough to make it into those top tiers because it was probably easy to draft. And yeah. you had really good numbers with that card. And that card had a really bad numbers for the 17 lens users. So uh, That's the only uncommon in the list too. So Is it? Yeah, everything else it is, is common, yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, because commons, you will play much more. Right. So uh, it's a late-going uncommon. That's also multicolor. They always go slightly later. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what retro reverse engineering your uh, your approach? What? Why do you think you were successful with the Serum Core Chimera? It's just a good card, and like I gravitate towards <laughs> blue red a lot, no matter what the format is. So um, maybe I was like, if you can see that, like Augury was one of the uh, the top cards there as well. So. Like Serum yeah. Core Chimera with Augury, you know, is just a, a match made in heaven. It gets you two towards the Chimera activated ability. You're, you know, you're finding another card that can do some stuff with it. I think my biggest surprise on this list is the Vivisurgeon's Insight at hmm. 60, 66% so, nearly. I don't know. I mean, this is something that I looked through in the data time and time again. But cards like Experiment, like, for example, I looked at the data of the top 17 lens users, the ones with the over 60% win rates. And uh, the lower tiers of 17, well, the lower win rate 17 lens users. And the card where the difference between the win rates of the top tier and bottom tier mm -hmm. is the largest was Impulse. And I see that time and time again, when cards that give you selection are the cards where best players get an extra advantage mm -hmm. over, over the beginners, maybe. So I'm not surprised that you're doing well with experimental augury because I would expect you uh, to better because you will make better choices most of the sure. time. And also you having a choice is a huge boost because you can adjust the plan to that choice very quickly on the fly. And you know exactly when to shift from being uh, defensive to being the beatdown. That's that's what I see uh, in, in those kind of cards. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. Uh, and I guess Vivi Surgeon's Insight is a different side of the same coin more cards give you better choices and you know when you can play this type of card right. in your deck and you also know where you can afford to play it because you know that you're not um, affecting the board with it sure <laughs> um yeah that that uh i'm glad to report that flensing raptor that you uh said that you liked uh, is also doing decent numbers for you so that's that's fine i guess i'm surprised that the rustvine cultivator is not higher on that list but I mean, it, it doesn't fix. That's the problem with that card. Yeah, if it fixed, no. if it fixed, that, come on, yeah, for sure. Just just make it give more mana of any color. Yeah, it'd be too good. It'd be too good. Yeah, no, probably. Oh, what a, a mana dirk every second turn? No, that's, not with proliferate. That, 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 yeah, and that's that's still better than golden goose, I guess. <laughs> okay, let's look at the cards that did poorly, uh, and you played a lot of them, <laughs> and you know poorly. Poorly, fifty-six percent. That's yeah. that's 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 not great, but I mean it's not terrible. But one card that's surprising me here is the Barb Butterfist, your most drafted common. Is actually in the bottom part of the cards that you played a lot. Yeah, that's that's a little bit surprising, but I guess. Well, no, I don't know what to say about that. Like it was my most drafted common, and I, it's, hmm. I would expect it to have done better. I'm not surprised to see Prologue there, Thirsting Roots, Siphoner for sure. I guess the the Batterfist and the Rabble. That, kind of these hand ones in hand. were particularly. I think also Attendant yeah. was slightly surprising to me. I, I agree on Attendant. I thought Attendant was a really good card too. So maybe I'm, I think I that, wasn't. Um, if we go back a couple of slides uh, to the um, to the win rate part, 
-hmm. The rubble at Butterfist might have something to do with this drop in win rate when you start drafting almost exclusively red. That could also be true. And 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 that that might be where where the answer is. Maybe if you looked only in the first half of the format, right. maybe we would see a different uh, a different strategy, a different yeah. uh, um, answer. Hey, um, right. So this is actually it in terms of my data. Sure. Um, but we always can have some conclusions. So. Did you find the introspective interesting? Did you learn something about yourself and your approach to one? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. I think I mean anytime you can go over your your information like this from from this kind of standpoint it is super useful. Like uh, like I was mentioning earlier, we all tend to fall into our our tendencies or you know traps, if you will, like just playing playing the right cards or not drafting what other people are finding good and shaping them to your to your overall general idea of of a format can can give you a better perspective on on future formats although obviously each format is going to be its its own unique thing um i i i think the the most standout thing to me and this is doesn't even have to do with me necessarily is that 85 percent of people or whatever the stat was are playing their pick one pack one that just seems absurdly high to me like that that was that was the thing that i was like whoa you know, the most on, maybe not necessarily my data, but uh, on other people's data. I mean, this was also for me the most woe because I've seen this data time and time again and yeah. everyone has around 80% and I see you have under 70 and I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, well, that's also true. No, now that you say that, I guess, I guess that does go hand in hand with my information as well, because I would have assumed people don't play their first pick as much. And so maybe I'm not like soft forcing. Uh, yeah my my first pick enough like i tend to stay extremely open unless i open something you know but you know that that that, that makes me want to watch your stream more now that i know this number mm -hmm. because i struggle with it i'm i have tough time disconnecting myself from my first mm -hmm. pick yeah. i have the first pick comes with a vision and i like to stick <laughs> to that vision somehow and i know that sometimes i'm 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 i'm, I'm making dogs breakfast out of the draft because i stuck to my first pick a lot too much so maybe I should watch you more and basically uh, from the perspective of I want to learn how to be more open in drafts and, and, and figure that one out. Yeah. But I mean, um, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, it's only like a seven out of 10 versus, a, you know, an eight and a half out of 10. Yeah, so it's not, true. yeah, it's not like that much of a change. Yeah. But, you know, it's the small elements that you can yeah. learn how to do Agreed. better that will make you a better player. What other data would you be interested in learning about yourself when mm. you think about it? Ooh. I guess the the rate, um, like the colors, which which colors do I clearly favor more, or which pairings, you know, how many games of a specific pairing? I don't know if we went over that specifically. Like, I, I'm sure white and red, e not even together, were probably my two most played. Um, yeah, so the, the colors themselves, it was on the graph when you showed how, which colors yeah, you played over time. The trends, but were good. it was not. Uh, it was not the. Um, Specifics, uh, I guess. Yeah, I can I can show you which color combinations you played the most. Um, if I find it, yes, I can. Because that that uh, that graph over time was super interesting. Like it looked like at the beginning of the format, I tried everything a little bit, and then you know black dropped off significantly. White started shooting up, and then afterwards red sh shot up. So, like I like I said, you know we all we all tend to fall into our tendencies and. I'm actually surprised I didn't draft as much blue. I felt like I drafted a lot more blue, but so which which color combination do you think you drafted the most? Um, white. Yeah, white red. Oh, I'll go. No. Oh, gosh. Could it be? Yeah, I, it's got to be white red, right? 
Uh, it's going to be number of games, so uh, not exactly number of drafts. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> if, yeah, <laughs> if I did a lot, <laughs> but but the winner is so clear that uh, that uh, that it has to be also the number of drafts. It could be blue red. Uh, uh, you're gonna be guessing, but uh, let me just put it into the slideshow. Do, 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 do. Where do I do it? I'm, yeah, I'm. Sorry, making graphs and novo takes a, 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 a split second. Yeah, it, it's got to be red something, right? That's it is that's red my something. It is yeah, red yeah, something. Yeah, that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. If it's red blue, I'm not surprised. If it's red white, I'm not surprised. Clearly not red black. Um, well, no, probably not red green. What? <laughs> Boom! Red green by uh, uh, well, jeez, by a third from the rest. I would wow, say. that's. that's Okay, that is surprising to me. I do not remember. I mean, like, you might have drafted it like not as the top archetype in the first half, but maybe as the second. Then yeah. it was at the end. You drafted quite a lot of it, and then occasionally in the middle, and all of this ad adds up. Yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. White blue is also up there, but I am yeah, surprised. I red green, white blue, white red, and blue red are sort of equal in terms yeah. of how you draft them. White green slightly lagging, and then the blue black black white and black green far behind and Blue green and blue red, uh, blue green and uh, black red. Never. Hmm. That is also a surprise to me, but well, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Red <laughs> green, red green was uh, one of the most, or what people thought were one of the most powerful archetypes by um, after like the first week or two, because it was just so open. It felt like everybody was yeah. trying to do the poison or the infect plan. So, um, yeah. Uh, what other question that I have? Uh, which of those data set you would find most useful as a user of seventeen lands data? like putting them up on the site for mm -hmm. us to access. So the funny thing is I try not to use any of like the, uh, and I, I, I joke about this on my stream, I call them mathologists. You know, everybody, like sometimes people are coming to my stream and be like, well, don't you know this is the number one game in hand win rate card uh, in this format? And I'm like, no, I don't want to hear that. I want to draft my own style. So I don't actually um, think I would find this information particularly useful because I, I avoid that. I don't like looking at those things, even though I know it shows trends and you know it can be generally useful. But maybe that go, maybe that falls in line with um, my difference in in playing my pick one pack one. Maybe my my style is just uh, not not useful towards this. I guess I don't know. Like I know I know the information itself is valuable. I just opt not to use it if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's fine. I mean, I thought maybe you know, like uh, seeing your personal data rather than. Uh, general populations data because I understand why data is maybe less useful for you. Uh, generic data is less useful for you than, than to the person that has a lower win rate because you can figure those things out and you also have enough sure. reps to do that. While someone that maybe plays one draft over the weekend, they might need um, they might need a bit more uh, info that will help them yeah, bridge no, the experience that you're getting from playing that 670 games. That makes sense. Um, well, actually, I, I take that back. Like looking at the cards that I played the most that had the lowest win rate was, you know, kind of eye-opening in that sense because um, I, I don't think, especially you know, uh, as people that we have, uh, we 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 try to latch onto things or we we have selective memory, of course, especially when it comes to to drafts or magic in general. So it is good and informative to look at those type of things for sure. Um, so yeah, just uh, on the end note, I think that 
mere convert that was having such a bad mm. win rate uh, in 79's data, and your hands actually did this very solid, incredible 60% okay. win rate. So it did fine. It did just fine in, in, in your hands. And uh, I was always surprised why the card is not doing so well, and it turns out that it can be doing decent. You just need a player to have a better plan out of it. And you see, this is exactly why I'm doing this stream when I'm looking at sub-builds of the decks, because you won't find it in normal data. I have to convert decks into numbers and then cluster them based on similarity. And then I can find some small pockets that you would not find in a normal win rate, because mm -hmm. you know if it happens only in 5% of the decks, then 95% of the signal for the win rate of that card is going to be decks where the card is being bad. Right. But I can find those 5% in that, and then you can look at what cards make those sub-builds tick. And sometimes they're boring and you don't find anything interesting. <laughs> but in some color combinations, you will find like, there was like a blue-white control, for example, in this format. And you needed particular cards to make it work. But then you had this kind of a blue-white control deck um, and you managed to actually get decent winning decks out of it by sure. looking at this more granularly rather than... You know, you say that you don't like people in the chat that come to you and tell you, oh, don't you know that this is the second... Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this comment either. I get very annoyed with it because I think that <laughs> it's just lazy. It's like lots of lots of looking at the data. It's just very lazy. You have one number and you want that number to so that that's why I hated the whole discussion about the speed of the format. Mm. Because I thought people don't like the format, it's fine. No one has to like every format. And they latched onto that speed uh, parameter because that gave them an excuse to dislike them. Say, oh, right. it's too fast. Like cube is the fastest format. Everyone loves cube. They you don't. Do... They don't care about speed and cube somehow. Yeah, but you, you can do cool things in cube. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing. The fact is that this format was fast, and you couldn't do cool things. <laughs> the not couldn't. The couldn't do cool things part was probably more important than the speed. But there is no number on the cool thing. I agree. That's true. But okay, um, I guess that uh, we can move to the acknowledgements. I would like to absolutely thank you for being here. It was a pleasure for me uh, to have a chat with you uh, and to learn a bit more about your philosophy because I always make questions in a sneaky way that try to give more insight to the brain of the person answering them than to mine. Um, obviously, this wouldn't be possible without the 17 Lens team who provided me with your data I uh, spent some extra time to just extract yours and give it to me so I could analyze it. So thanks to them. Viral misnomer, Hululu, Grant Woods, ZTM. I would like to thank to fake Jake Brown, um, who is responsible for my beautiful art, but also for editing the podcast and uh, releasing it in the podcast format. Um, and I would like to thank Sesku and Mana Junkie, who are making the music for my podcast. Uh, Numot, where can people find you and what do you have in store for the next uh, upcoming weeks? Anything sure. special? Yeah, as always, you can catch me on all the socials at Numot the Nummy, N-U-M-O-T-T-H-E-N-U-M-M-Y, uh, streaming day weekdays on Twitch, sometimes on the weekends if there's an arena open. You can find me daily on YouTube as well, VODs in the mornings, uh, specific to YouTube content in the afternoons. And again, all of that at Numat the Nummy. Uh, I guess no big plans. We're going to play Shadows over Innistrad Remastered as the new sheet of cards has come out. Cube comes out in a little bit. And then I guess we just wait for uh, Mom. So Waiting for Mom. Well, I mean, the format looks brilliant. But okay, with that, I'll be seeing you next week when we probably will be talking about the first parts of the spoilers for the Mom that we talked about. And um, bye to all. See you soon.